Well, hello. Good morning. It's uh, Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Slava Ukraine. Heroium Slava. Eh, I guess it's not good morning, depending on where you are. Could be good night, good evening. Eh, I don't know. Uh, PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Uh, tell your friends to Google those four words, Political Views TV Podcast. I'll show it right at the top of the search. You know what I'm going to say. I so appreciate you so much for coming and listening to me. It makes it worth it for me to spend five hours every day writing this and then reading it to you and going off on my rants. It makes it worthwhile. Uh, if you can, bring someone with you uh, today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. Tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. Maybe send me a story. Somebody slid into my DMs yesterday. Gave me a story. Interesting story. I'll get to that in a little bit. <clears throat> As usual, let's start with uh, Ukraine and the war. Hold on a second. <clears throat> uh, European Commissioner, President, uh, Commission President Ursula, Ursula von der Leyen said, we are ready to start working with the international community to get the broadest international support possible for uh, this specialized court. She was talking about the European Union will try to set up a tribunal backed by the UN to investigate and prosecute possible war crimes committed by Russia. Why am I even saying using the word possible at this point? I, I, they're, they're innumerous. Um, the Hague-based International Criminal Court launched its own investigation into alleged crimes against humanity, but it does not have the jurisdiction to prosecute aggression in Ukraine. Uh, von der Leyen said... While continuing to support the International Criminal Court, we are proposing to set up a specialized court backed by the United Nations to investigate and prosecute uh, Russia's crime of aggression. The um, European Commission is exploring legal options with the EU's partners to use confiscated Russian assets to compensate Kyiv for damage to the country, which I've been saying since... Uh, just a few weeks after the war started that, that Russia needs to pay for what they're doing. Uh, legally, it's iffy. Uh, the problem is that in most EU member states, seizing frozen assets is only legally possible where there is a criminal conviction. Uh, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, president of EU's uh, executive, said in a statement, we have blocked 300 billion euros of the Russian Central Bank reserves, and we have frozen 19 billion euros of Russian oligarchs' money. She said that in the short term, the EU and its partners could manage the funds and invest them, and the proceeds would go to Ukraine, uh, because they can't give the funds directly to Ukraine, but they can invest them. Wow, wouldn't that be a nice investment contract? Oh, I'll take the, how many is it? 300, 320 billions or dollars or so and invest that in, uh, I don't know, Dogecoin? See what comes out of it? <laughs> I, I, with $320 billion, if you invested that in Dogecoin, Dogecoin would shoot up like a rocket, right? Um, 
She said, we will work on an international agreement with our partners to make this possible, and together we can find legal ways to get to it. Uh, Turkey says Sweden and Finland have made progress towards NATO membership. If you remember, Turkey and, and uh, um, uh, Turkey and Hungary are the uh, two states withholding, which are the, the most supportive of Russia. Uh, both of them are. Um... Uh, they, uh, he's, uh, Turkey said uh, they still needed to do more to satisfy Ankara's request on tra- tackling terrorism. Uh, Stockholm and Helsinki um, deny harboring fighters, but have pledged to cooperate with Ankara in Turkey to address its security concerns fully and lift arms embargoes. Uh, Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut Kavasoglu told reporters the two countries took some steps. We recognize them, but there have not been any steps on extradition request and freezing terror assets. But uh, Kavasoglu also praised Sweden's new government for what he called a more decisive, tougher stance on terrorism. Uh, speaking at a briefing, Russian uh, Foreign Ministry, uh, Ministry spokeswoman, Maria Zakharova, who we've talked about many times, said the two countries' accession to the alliance to NATO, she's talking about, would mean a significant increase in tensions in the region. Of course it would. Because then you can't attack them, as you have in history. Uh, In a meeting with the United States Central Intelligence Agency Director William Burns earlier this month, Russian Foreign Intelligence Chief Sergei Narushkin has said he discussed nuclear issues and Ukraine. Uh, Elizabeth Rood, charge d'affaires at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, told uh, Russia's RIA news agency this week that Burns did not negotiate anything and he did not discuss a settlement of the conflict in Ukraine. Narishkin told uh, RIA, uh, Novosti News Agency, For my part, I confirm Ms. Rood's statement. Additionally, I can note that the most frequently used words at the meeting were strategic stability, nuclear security, Ukraine, and Kyiv regime. And I'm sure uh, the Kyiv regime came from Russia most of the time. Uh, Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitry, uh, excuse me, Dmitro Kuliba, said Ukraine needs U.S.-made Patriot missile defense systems to protect its civilian infrastructure, adding he would be working with the German government on this issue. Yesterday, former Russian president, you know who I'm talking about, the nutball, uh, former Russian president Dmitry, always meddling Medvedev, warned NATO against providing Ukraine with Patriot missiles. And by the way, for uh, defensive missiles, uh, you remember, uh, in in, uh, Israel, they have Patriot missiles. Patriot missile systems are old systems, but they're still very effective. Uh, Ukrainian foreign minister, 
Dmitry Kaliba said Russia must withdraw its heavy weapons and military personnel from Zaporizhia nuclear power plant if the United Nations atomic watchdog's efforts to create a protection zone are to succeed. Kaliba met Rafael Grossi on the sidelines of a NATO ministerial meeting. Uh, Kaliba said, we both agreed that Zaporizhia nuclear power plant has to be protected and to achieve that Russia has to withdraw its heavy weapons and military personnel from the station. We will be considering ways on how to achieve this goal and Rafael will be doing shuttle diplomacy between Kiev and Moscow on this. Uh, Russia does not want to give it up because they can shell all over the place from the nuclear power plant knowing that it will not be shelled. Uh, the TASS news agency reported Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lapdog Lavrov says it is vital to avoid any military confrontation between nuclear powers, even if it only involves conventional weapons. Lapdog also said Lapdog Lavrov also said the West was pushing Ukraine to continue fighting against Russia. He said it's necessary to avoid any military cl- uh, clash between nuclear powers even with the use of conventional weapons. The escalation may become uncontrollable. Well, maybe you should have thought about that before you invaded Ukraine. Uh, Italian's uh, foreign minister, Antonio Tahani, said ahead of the second day of NATO's meeting in Bucharest, the stability in Western Balkans is important for peace. We need to stop the Russians in the Western Balkans. We need more Europe. We need to protect all the countries in the Western Balkans and and close to Ukraine because it is important in this moment to work together. Unity is important and it's a strong message to Russia. And, you know, I'm sure that has to do with the fact that much of the Western Balkans need gas from Russia. So if you can support them with a little bit of energy, they can maybe put some pressure on Russia. And it would also show unity in, in Europe. Spanish police said an employee at the Ukrainian embassy in Madrid was injured in an explosion that occurred while handling a letter, apparently a letter bomb. Uh, The staff member suffered light light injuries and went to the hospital. Uh, Kiev ramped up security at its embassies uh, uh, abroad after the incident. I'm sure we'll hear more about this soon. And I'm sure Spain is going to have something strong to say about sending bombs through the mail in their country. Right? Uh, In his late night address, President Volodymyr Zelensky uh, said the situation at the front is difficult. Despite extremely big Russian losses, the occupiers are still trying to advance in the Donetsk region, gain a foothold in the Luhansk region, move in the Kharkiv region. Uh, They are planning something in the south, but we are holding out and, most importantly, do not allow the enemy to fulfill their intentions. They said they would capture the Donetsk region in spring, summer, autumn. Winter begins this week already. They wasted their regular army there. They lose hundreds of mobilized uh, and mercenaries there. Every day, they use barrier troops there. So he's just saying that they keep on trying, but they keep on failing. Uh, the Ukrainian general staff in Kyiv said the Ukrainian army has held off 
An advance by Russian troops at six different locations in the eastern Donbas region. It added that all sections of the front in the Luhansk and Donetsk regions were under fire by Russian artillery. Uh, according to the Ukrainian Civil Administration, the town of Nikopol in the Dnipropetrovsk region was hit by 30 Russian artillery shells last night. Seems like Russia is launching less. They're probably going to have another wave left in them as they prepare missiles out of their really old stockpiles. But I'm thinking Russia is against the ropes. Um... Kirill uh, uh, Tomoshenko, deputy head of the Ukraine's presidential administration, said on Telegram that Russian forces had targeted the region with artillery and mortar bombs during the past 24 hours. A presidential aide said that a teenager was killed after the shelling of a hospital in the northern Ukrainian region of Sumy. Uh, that's that little um, city. Uh, way far north in that panhandle of Ukraine, right next to the Russian border, just like three or four miles from the Russian border. Regional Governor Yaroslav Yanoshevich added another person was killed and one wounded in Russian shelling at the southern Ukrainian city of Kherson. Now that I have your attention, let's move on. Let's try and fix the world. Uh, Let's move on right here. Uh, seditious conspiracy. Yesterday, Trump supporter and the founder of the far-right Oath Keepers militia, Stuart Rhodes, was convicted by a federal uh, jury of seditious conspiracy for his leading role in the insurrection by supporters of Trump and his big lie that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. Uh, The Washington, D.C. jury deliberated for three days before finding Rhodes and co-defendant Melly Meggs guilty of seditious conspiracy, while three other accused Oath Keepers, Kenneth Harrelson, retired Naval Intelligence Officer Thomas Caldwell, and Ohio uh, militia leader Jessica Watkins were acquitted of that charge. But there were plenty of other charges to go around. All five defendants were convicted of obstructing Congress as it conveyed, convened to certify the results of the 2020 election. Both crimes are punishable by up to 20 years imprisonment, and they'll probably get uh, close to 20 years. I mean, even just for the obstructing, uh, obstructing Congress ch- charge. I mean, other obstructing Congress charge only got, you know, whatever, I don't know, less than five years or something. But when you add all the, everything else together with it, It's much more serious than those, right? Uh, The incident, uh, I'm sorry, the indictment brought against Rhodes and other Oath Keepers associates in January was the first time the U.S. government leveled the historically rare charge of seditious conspiracy in the massive January 6th investigation. The verdict in Rhodes' case likely will be taken as a bellwether for two remaining January 6th seditious conspiracy trials set for December against five other Oath Keepers and leaders of the Proud Boys. Oh boy. Yep, they're going down. And speaking of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, after a three-year investigation, the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee this month released a nearly 130-page report detailing how the FBI part of the Justice Department and the Department of Homeland Security have failed to adequately align resources to address the threat from domestic terrorism. 
Uh, partially because uh, uh, Trump was pushing back against going after uh, white supremacists, right? It, it's those uh, 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 it's those blacks that were protesting the George Floyd murder. They're the ones that are terrorists. Well, you know how Trump was. Uh, in recent years, law enforcement agencies have acknowledged that white supremacy represents a major threat to public safety in the United States and is fueling domestic terrorist attacks. But the amount of money spent domestically does not meet the need, uh, needs of what's out there. The report reads, The federal government has continued to allocate resources disproportionately aligned to international terrorist threats over domestic uh, terrorist threats. And the report lays out how the agencies have not complied with a congressional with congressional requirement to track and report data on domestic terrorism and have failed to adapt to a new era in which social media has played a uh, significant role in the radicalization process of perpetrators in over 90% of the extremist plots or activities in the United States. Last year, Data compiled by the Center for Strategic and International Studies showed that right-wing extremists had carried out or plotted 267 attacks and caused 91 deaths since 2015. More than a quarter of the attacks and nearly half the killings had been perpetrated by white supremacists. That data does not include this year's racially motivated mass shootings, right? Which there have been numerous ones. The Senate committee uh, recommendations include calls for Congress to require a whole of government review of all federal uh, counterterrorism efforts, the establish- establishment of new standards to measure agencies' counterterrorism work, the creation of standardized domestic terrorism categories to help measure the threat posed by specific ideologies like white supremacy and the improvement of federal agency guidelines for analyzing social media threats while respecting users' constitutional rights, which, of course, when it comes to the Internet, that we, uh, our constitutional rights are never, ever respected. And I'm getting kind of sick of it. Uh, moving on. South Carolina's Supreme Court yesterday rejected former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' effort to resist an Atlanta-area grand jury subpoena in a wide-ranging investigation of alleged election interference. We've talked about Fannie Willis. She's awesome! (laughs) Um, uh, In a a brief ruling, the court concluded that Meadows' challenge was manifestly without merit. Uh, upholding a lower court's decision last month, ordering him to testify before the special investigative panel. So he, just like Lindsey Graham, will have to show up. Last week, Lindsey Graham uh, testified before the panel after his appeals were rejected. 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 So what's the rule? If you're going to piss somebody off, who do you who do you not want to piss off, Right. What specific person do you want? Do you not want to do wrong to? What is their job? You don't fuck with the life of a prosecutor because he will show up in court to fuck with you, right? Uh, suspe- a suspended prosecutor, Andrew Warren, took his battle against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to a federal court yesterday in the first day of a trial. If you remember, 
We did the story a while back. DeSantis suspended the Hillsborough County State Attorney uh, in August over a handful of moves uh, the democratically uh, elected official made, including signing a pledge in June that he would not enforce the state's abortion uh, abortion laws. Uh, Also, uh, he came out against uh, um, about prosecuting uh, people who gave their ch- children uh, trans, uh, uh, gender-affirming uh, uh, surgery, right? Anyway, Warren contends that DeSantis moved to suspend him in early August, violated his First Amendment rights, and in a trial opening, uh, trial's opening day, he testified for more than three hours, including recounting the day he was suspended. On that day, Warren said he was met at his office by Larry Keefe, the governor's public safety czar, who was accompanied by sheriff deputies and uh, a demand that he leave immediately. Now, there's a law that allows the Florida governor to suspend suspend an elected official for public safety concerns, but it's never been done except in a case where somebody was accused of criminal wrongdoing. This guy was not accused of any criminal wrongdoing, right? Uh, the trial is expected to last at least two more days. Warren wants U.S. District Judge Robert Hinkle to restore to his job uh, and place a permanent injunction against DeSantis' executive order that suspended him. So he wants his job back. He wants. To, I'm sure he's going to want back pay, too. Right? And he wants DeSantis spanked. I look forward to it. And I do believe DeSantis may have overstepped his bounds uh, his his uh, his power by by um, firing an elected official. He was elected to office. You can't remove a person elected for uh, to office unless they've done a crime. He hasn't done a crime. Uh, yesterday, the Senate passed the Respect for Marriage Act. Um, uh, uh, with um, 38 hateful Republicans attempting to block a law that would protect interracial and gay marriage. Now, doesn't really do it doesn't really protect it though. We'll get to that in a second. Republicans don't want blacks marrying whites or girls marrying girls or guys marrying guys. That's kind of icky to them. Uh, the respect uh, icky. That's an official term. Uh, the Respect for Marriage Act doesn't legalize those kind of marriages, but it requires states to recognize those marriage marriage licenses done in other states, even if they don't, even if they pass a law outlaw, outlawing it, which is, which is really really bad, right? And that will uh, eventually be challenged by the Supreme Court, and it will fall. Uh, uh, so hateful Republican states can still ban the act of gay or interracial marriage in each state. <clears throat> so now, and, and, I, and I think it's New York, I could be wrong, but now I want to know what state Clarence and Ginny Thomas got married in so I can make their marriage null and void. The amended version is expected to, uh, again, pass the Democratic-held uh, House, which initially passed it in, in the bill in July uh, before reaching, uh, uh, before it was sent back to, to the Senate and then it was changed, then it had to go back to the House. Uh, and then it, it'll reach Biden's desk, who will sign it into law. He's already said he will do that. Um, I should include in, the, in this vote, I should say, 
that Senator Raphael Warnock and two other Republicans did not vote either way. Uh, So though 12 Republicans voted uh, yay, it was a 61 to 36 vote. Okay, And Raphael Warnock didn't want to even vote on it right now. He's in the middle of an election and a vote could hurt him one way or the other. So he didn't want to jeopardize his election. Understandable. Politically, it's understandable. Uh, So as I was saying, and this is a long story, um, someone slid into my DMs with a story. Kudos to the Daily Beast. They're the one that, uh, that uh, did this, the, this exclusive story. Um, and Daily Beast is a great website, though. You, you should check it out. There is a newly elected Republican congressman in New York City. There was a lot of money poured into his campaign, and that's what has called into question his intentions. Republican George DeVolder Santos beat Democrat Robert Zimmerman this month in the race for a house seat covering parts of Long Island and Queens. All that money wiped away a solidly uh, Democratic seat. Don't let him being gay and Latino sway your opinion. DeVolder Santos is a big Trump supporter and a big Putin supporter. After the invasion of Ukraine, While he was running for office, he told the Washington Post, it's not like Ukraine is a great democracy. It's a totalitarian regime, which is untrue. It's a a budding democracy. They've been a democracy since, what, 1991, was it? Uh, He went on, he said, they're not a great bastion of freedom. And people are thinking, wow, what is this guy pushing? DeVolder Santos also insisted that Ukraine welcomed the Russians into their provinces, and it was a reference to Putin's 2014 invasion to prop up rogue separatist parties in Crimea. He was saying that Crimea was welcomed, that Russia's invasion of Crimea was welcomed. What are you kidding me? It was not the first time DeVolder Santos had parroted Kremlin talking points. In the weeks before Putin's brutal, blundering attack upon his uh, uh, Ukraine, the candidate repeatedly took to Twitter to accuse President Joe Biden of plotting to start a war with Russia and deploy American troops to Ukraine. But unreported until now by uh, the Daily Beast is that by the time DeVolder Santos made these statements, His congressional ambitions had already received almost $33,000 from Andrew and Trader and his wife, who who variously listed her occupation as homemaker and uh, him, analyst for Falcon AI, one of her husband's subsidiary firms. And Trader's main venture is today called Sparrow Capital, but it previously used the name Columbus Nova, and its primary function has long been to manage investments of Trader's cousin, Victor Vexelberg, one of Putin's wealthiest and most influential friend and advisor. Interesting, right? Taking foreign donations from someone involved in a war against Ukraine who 
we are proxying. And he seems to be a pro-Russia candidate, now congressman. Columbus Nova described itself in 2007 uh, Security and Exchange Commission filings as the U.S.-based affiliate of Vekelberg Renova Group. In fact, SEC records show that Columbus Nova was merely a trade name and the company was in fact incorporated as Renova U.S. Management LLC until it rechristened itself Sparrow Capital in 2018. So... The the rebrand came just months after the Department of the Treasury froze almost all of the company's assets for its tight ties for the heavily sanctioned Vexelberg. So this Republican got money directly from a sanctioned Russian oligarch in New York. He's the new congressman. He's going to take the seat in January. The following year, and Trader became a national figure when it surfaced that his firm had paid, ready for this, half a million dollars to longtime Trump fixer Michael Cohen, and the pair had exchanged <clears throat> hundreds of phone calls and text messages during the 2016 campaign for Trump. Wow. Suddenly, the Russian connection to Trump that he's been saying doesn't exist actually exists. In Trader's support for DeVolder Santos dates to the GOP's uh, polls first failed bid for Congress in 2020, which got $11,600 in cash infusion from the financier and his, and his bride, reflecting the maximum contribution amount then allowed. But after that initial defeat, federal donation limits would prove eh, not so daunting. Starting in March 2021, Intrater and his wife began pouring tens of thousands of dollars into auxiliary committees backing DeVolder Santos. 20000 directly to uh, GADS PAC, a leadership political action committee bearing the candidate's initials, plus $12,100 to DeVolder Santos Nassau Victory, a joint fundraising committee formed with the Nassau County Republican Party. DeVolder Santos uh, Nassau victory had to drop $10,000 of that gift into the Nassau GOP's federal account. But that account made just two federal expenditures this cycle. The larger of them by far being the purchase of lawn signs supporting DeVolder Santos. We appear to have a Russian disinformation agent in Congress. Isn't that interesting? With direct ties to the same man that gave money um, in a roundabout way to Trump for his 2016 campaign from Russia. Putin's advisor What are you kidding me? Wow. Moving on. Okay. Moving on to California. In California, you've heard gas prices are unusually high compared to the rest of the country. Isn't that odd? 
<laughs> the California Energy Commission pursued many questions yesterday at a meeting where they heard from industry analysts. Uh, commission members did not, however, get any help from the uh, companies that produce more than 90% of the state's gasoline. Guess who was invited and didn't show up to the party? Chevron, Marathon, PBF Energy, Phillips 66, and Valero all declined to participate in the hearing. In letters to the commission, most said speaking publicly about their operations, maintenance, and inventory levels would force them to divulge trade secrets. PBF Energy, however, added that the politicization of the issue by Governor Newsom heightened by the misleading information he released and com commented on related to our 2022 third quarter earnings precludes us from participating in this hearing. <laughs> okay, what were those earnings? According to BBF Energy's quarter three financial report, the company's profit jumped from $59.1 million last year to... Okay, I want you to get ready for this. $60 million, let's, let's call it $60 million. Okay, aim high. Where do you think it is? What do you think? $100 million? $200 million? $300 million? What are you What are you thinking? What do you think it is? What do you think their profits were? $1.06 billion this year. An increase of nearly 1,700%. Drink that in. Uh, questions asked at the meeting were, are oil companies exploiting Californians to rake in profits? Oh, I can answer that. Yes. I'm, I'm raising my hand. Yes. How can state regulators stop refineries from shutting down for maintenance at the same time? I, oh, I can answer that. Find that. Find them millions of dollars. Uh, also, what are the best approaches to prevent future gasoline price spikes in California? Oh, I can answer that. Investigate them directly and find them millions of dollars. Uh, okay. Governor Gavin Newsom <clears throat> proposal to tax oil company profits could be the answer, according to them. Newsom called the reasoning by oil companies pathetic and vowed to hold these companies accountable. Newsom said in a statement, every Californian deserves to know why we were being fleeced at the pump, even as gas prices declined across the country and crude oil prices were going down. The oil industry had their chance today to explain why they made record profits at our expense, but they chose to stonewall us. Uh, the commission did not make any formal policy recommendations, but the matters discussed at the day-long hearing are expected to help inform decisions by legislators who will consider Newsom's October proposal to tax oil companies when they reap excessive profits and to fund rebates to taxpayers. Uh, and you and you did just get a, a, a rebate um, uh, from uh, Governor Newsom's office of three hundred fifty dollars, right? Did you get yours? You can check your bank account. I got mine, and it was also sent in the mail in the form of a credit card, and it looks like a credit card offer. And some people might have thrown that away. Oh, I'm so sorry. You just threw away three hundred fifty dollars. 
Uh, inquiries into the state high gas pr- uh, prices date back decades, but an unprecedented gap between the average price of gasoline in, in California and the rest of the country earlier this year renewed calls for answers. At the peak of this year's gasoline price hikes, Californians were paying $2.60 per gallon more than the national average, a margin never seen before. Since then, California's average price of gasoline has steadily slid with prices on uh, yesterday dropping below $5 per gallon for the first time since the spring. Uh, My car takes premium. You want to complain? I'm the one that needs to complain. Uh, Earlier today, Russian and Chinese strategic bombers flew a joint patrol over the Western Pacific in a show of increasingly close defense ties between the two countries. The Russian Defense Ministry said that the Tu-95 bombers of the Russian Air Force and a Chinese H-6K bomber flew over the Sea of Japan and the East China Sea during an eight-hour mission. South Korea scrambled its fighter jets and Russian and Chinese warplanes entered its air defense identification zone. Okay, so the air defense identification zone is not their airspace. I need to explain this because it's kind of confusing. Uh, those countries recognize the air defense identification zone as a place where anybody flying there must say that they are going to fly there before they do. But it's not recognized internationally. Okay? So it's their own countries that are claiming that. Uh, so... Anyway, Tokyo Defense Ministry said in a press release, Japan's Air Self-Defense Force also scrambled jets after the Chinese and Russian warplanes flew into the Sea of Japan. Seoul's Joint Chiefs of Staff said that two Chinese H-6 bombers repeatedly entered and exited South Korea's air defense uh, zone along the country's southern and northeastern coasts. Hours later, they entered from the Sea of Japan alongside six Russian warplanes, including two S. U-35 jets and four Tu-95 bombers. South Korea's Joint Chief of Staff said our military deployed Air Force fighter jets even before Chinese and Russian aircraft entered the air defense zone to take tactical measures in case of contingency. Russian Defense Ministry said the aircraft acted in accordance with international law and did not violate the airspace of other countries. So it's sort of true they didn't violate the airspace, but they did violate the uh, that that zone just outside the air defense space. Oh, man, all I want to be is the filling in between those two slices of cookie in that cookie sandwich. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. I, you know what? They're beautiful women. They're beautifully intelligent. That's mainly why they're so hot, because they're gorgeous and intelligent. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and Finnish PM Santa Morin have long faced questions about their age and gender, but they were quick to shoot down a journalist who asked about the purpose of their first ever visit to New Zealand by a Finnish Prime Minister today. Ardern was quick to cut off the questioner, she said, in reference to the former Prime Minister of the United States and New Zealand, I wonder whether or not anyone ever asked Barack Obama and John Key if they met because they were of similar age and they were both women, or men. <laughs> um, we, of course, have a higher proportion of men in politics, 
it's a reality because two women meet. It's not simply because of their gender. <laughs> but you know what? When those two get together in private, I just want to be a fly on the wall. Mm-mm-mm. Boy, are they hot. Uh, Marin is 37, uh, who is in uh, New Zealand with Finnish trade delegation, emphasized the country's growing trade ties. Uh, she said, we are meeting because we are prime ministers. That's what she said in response to their questions. Uh, I believe Ardern, Marin is 37, I believe Ardern is 42. Both of them are gorgeous, though. Anyway, now, now that I've uh, really uh, destroyed women, uh, please don't uh, message me about this. I, I, I truly respect them. I really do. Uh, but that's it. Thanks for listening. Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Man, do I appreciate you coming every day. It's so nice of you. Uh, bring someone with you if you can today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Uh, tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. And remember, always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles. 41 minutes, not too bad. <laughs>